welcome back to the Highway to Health Podcast. And thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this episode of the podcast, we'll meet David Fleming, the president and CEO of Donate Life America. With April being recognized as National Organ Donation Month, David will share some valuable insights on the importance of organ donation. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. And now it's time to hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with David Fleming from Donate Life America. David, good morning again. Good morning. And it is a happy occasion because if anything is positive, it's helping someone else to see or to continue living. You can't get much more positive than that. So happy Donate Life Month. Yeah, thank you. We're excited to be celebrating this incredible month with the country and look forward to sharing some helpful information, hopefully, for your listeners. We were talking a little bit earlier, and I quoted you in terms of the infectious cause. 25 years ago, you figured you were going to kind of hang with this for a couple of years, and then here you are, right? Yeah, I was in my late 20s and was having a really early midlife crisis. My first job was working in public accounting and consulting. I did not find that personally terribly rewarding and took a little bit of a break to go work for, at the time, a pretty small organization with a great cause, and I planned on using that as a stopgap to my next step in life, my next season of life. And here I am 25 years later, still excited to wake up and go to work every day. Indeed, indeed. Truly infectious. We talk about the positive side, happy Donate Life Month. Pretty much somebody has to die to participate, so to speak. Now, that's going to happen to each and every one of us anyway, though. I guess that is sort of the out in terms of that argument and taking that negative away from the equation. Is that being fair? Yeah. My father always says the last time he looked, mortality was 100%. And yeah. I think, as you accurately said, we are all at our own time and place marching towards that ultimate end. And the incredible thing about organ, eye, and tissue donation is that it does provide an opportunity to give someone else a second chance at life. I think we all know and we all desire a second chance at many things in life. And this opportunity through incredible grief that a donor family is feeling, this opportunity to give and to honor the decision of their loved one who wanted to help save or improve lives through organized tissue donation can bring great healing for families and friends to know that while we know we're all going to die, regardless of circumstance, this opportunity to save someone else or help heal someone else and the ripple effect of that. Saving a young person who's waiting for a transplant doesn't just save their lives. It also saves a generation of kids and grandkids that may come after. So it's an incredible gift for an incredibly challenging time quite often for families. Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess every story is different, so I don't know if there's a 30,000-foot view or answer for this, David. David Fleming is with us. He heads up Donate Life America, and this is Donate Life Month, National Donate Life Month, to donate organs, eyes, tissues. I'm going to ask you why those three delineations there, if there's a reason for that. But when someone gets something that keeps them alive, a heart, let's say, do they generally meet the donor's families? Is there a process there? Do you help guide folks on both sides of that equation? Yeah. So the organization that I work with, we do not specifically guide people through that, but there are organ recovery tissue recovery partners quite often receive requests from donor families or recipients that are interested in connecting. They initially start those communications by having the families write letters that they 
will pass back and forth. As you might imagine, not everyone wants to have those meetings. So when it's a one-sided equation, they want to protect the other family's right to not engage in that. But I would say probably not everyone certainly makes that connection. But we do see it happen quite frequently. Very often you end up seeing two families that were initially connected by a gift and a recipient of a generous gift really sort of almost merge into two families that become quite great friends and celebrate each other's birthdays and those sorts of things. So it it certainly happens quite frequently, but it's not everyone meets or desires to meet. Sure, sure. Understood. The three areas of the body, I guess you might say organs, eyes, and then tissue, you emphasize those three pretty much everywhere. Is there a reason for that delineation there? And are those kind of three different paths in terms of the logistics? Yeah, from a logistical sort of corporate standpoint, recovery tends to happen in sort of three channels. Organ recovery, the recovery of tissue, which are things like skin, ligaments, and bone, and then the recovery of corneas, which are transplanted to restore sight. We also break it down for the public. Not everyone can be an organ donor. Most everyone can be a tissue donor when they die. And it's this ability to save lives through organ donation and some tissue donation, the opportunity to restore mobility and normal life through tissue donation, and then the opportunity to restore sight. We particularly emphasize the tissue stories and the cornea stories with equal weight to the organ stories. Organ tends to get most of the attention in the media and the storytelling, but it's quite important for us to emphasize the tissue and cornea because I think as a person out there, it may be difficult to know what it feels like or what you experience waiting for an organ. But I think it's pretty easy for us to close our eyes and imagine what it would be like to have one leg or one arm or to not be able to walk. And it's certainly easy to close your eyes and imagine what it would be like to navigate our world without sight. So those two, the tissue and the cornea stories, really do resonate with people because I think it's easier for us to put ourselves in the place of someone that's waiting. Understood, understood. The backgrounds and the stories of our listeners out there as professional truck drivers are as varied as the individuals that are in the trucks. But generally speaking, the public lumps people together. We lump doctors together. We lump teachers, priests, radio people together. But we're all individuals. But we have quite a number of people out there who have been law enforcement and or EMTs, a lot of registered licensed EMTs and trucks right now. So these folks see a lot of things. Is there anything in particular, and I'll call them layman truck drivers, and if somebody's going to stop and help at the scene of an accident, as you well know, because you have a close tie to trucking yourself, it's going to be truck driving. So the EMTs kind of know what to look for. They'll look for the card or whatever. But what about the lay truck driver? Should that be something to look for on your own to make sure somebody says, hey, don't forget to see if this guy's a donor? My strong recommendation is that is a search that takes place when the individual has been admitted to the hospital, they're being treated. We only look for evidence that someone is a registered organized tissue donor after they've died. So they're in a brain death condition where they're on a ventilator, which is keeping their body going, or there's an imminent death approaching where they've had some sort of traumatic brain injury and the physicians are confident that this individual is not going to recover from whatever that injury is. That's one of the things Hollywood has done a disservice, if you will, to the world. People are not scrambling through and looking through someone's wallet or someone's purse, looking for that donor card at the scene of the accident. 
accident. That search happens at the hospital by professionals that have access to the registry. And only when, as I said, someone is brain dead or there's imminent death approaching. And that's the first time that professionals will look to see if someone decided to make this gift. I'm going to circle back to the question again because I didn't make it plain, but let's say that person is deceased there. Time is of the essence, and I was kind of going there, but I hear what you're saying. In other words, that guy may look dead and he may be dead, but he ain't dead until the brain scan says he's dead. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. We really want to make sure that people understand that the highest priority for anyone approaching an accident is to save that person's life. Take the actions, dial 911. The thought of organized tissue donation, in my opinion, does not and should not happen until all opportunities to save that person's life have been exhausted. And now we're turning to what did this individual wish to happen? Did they want to be an organized tissue donor? And how can we make sure we are acting on that person's legal decision to be an organized tissue donor? David, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, let's talk about the colors blue and green. We kind of almost stuck our toe into the logistics world, but logistics is of the essence here. The expediting truck industry is known as the ambulance service of trucking. I'm sure you've put some organs in expediters' hands, so we'll talk about the logistics if we could. The blue and green and some of the other things going on this month. April is National Donate Life Month. You're listening to the Highway Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. If you would like to stay up to date on what's happening with Radio Nemo, please visit RadioNemo.com. You'll see the latest on the Dave Nemo Show, Dave Nemo Weekends, and the Tim Ridley Show. RadioNemo.com also has a blog section with news and notes from around the trucking industry. That web address is again, RadioNemo.com. Now, folks, if you'd like to go further down the highway to health, we'd like to invite you to listen to The Dave Nemo Show on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146. The trip down the highway to health on The Dave Nemo Show happens every Tuesday morning from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Now let's get you back to this edition of The Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Well, as I mentioned earlier in the introduction, the month of April is Donate Life Month, National Donate Life Month, headed up, of course, by Donate Life America, which is headed up by the gentleman we're talking to right now, David Fleming. During the month, there is that original special day that was April 5th, Donate Life Living Donor Day. And then we have the Blue Green Spirit Week. We are smack dab in the middle of that right now, David. Yeah, we're excited. I think April 14th is National Blue and Green Day, where we encourage everyone involved or excited about donation and transplantation to dress up in their best blue and green attire, snap a photo, and send it into us for a photo contest that we have. Fantastic. Now, why blue and green? So hopefully most of your listeners may have seen our logo, which is the Donate Life logo. We have a number of states that have this on their license plates and bumper stickers and those sorts of things that they may see on the road while traveling, billboards and whatnot. So that logo is a square logo. It has the words donate at the top, the words life at the bottom. There is a horizon line that sort of runs through the middle of the logo that has a swirl on it. The blue is the top and the green is the bottom below the horizon line. And that was intentional. So the green represents the earth, 
We have this horizon line, and then the blue represents the sky. So sort of our two primary colors here on this planet, we have the opportunity to live on. The swirl is a Gaelic or a Native American, and many cultures use that as a symbol of life, where life begins, and it's constantly growing and changing and evolving. Then the words donate life. We like it. It's not only the name of the organization, but more importantly, it's our call to action. We want to encourage everyone to consider the opportunity to donate life and then to take that important step of registering registering their decision, which I'll go ahead and say is really easy to do in our world. Most people do it through a DMV or similar transaction. At any time, someone can go on to registerme.org and register on our national registry. And through a partnership with Apple and iPhone, you can register on your health app if you happen to have an iPhone. One of the questions that I promised myself I wouldn't ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I'm 74 <laughs> years old. Am I aging out? <laughs> we always say no one is too old to save a life. So with the advances that happen on a daily basis in our medical world and certainly in donation and transplantation, we are seeing the ability to recover and effectively transplant to save someone's life organs from people that are certainly into their 70s and sometimes into their early 80s, particularly with something like a liver, which is a robust organ that tends to regenerate and heal itself. So we are recovering organs from people that are your age and even a little bit older. And then certainly from cornea donation and tissue and bone donation, age is not as relevant as it is for organ donation. Understood. Understood. Well, thank you for digging deep into the human side of the topic. But then we have the humans who basically get those organs to where they need to go and the folks who receive those. So we have a supply chain here. We have a shipper. We have a carrier and a receiver. Land, sea and air, I would imagine. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> At some point in the history of this cause, organs have been transported by, as you said earlier, we've had police officers and members of the military. We use helicopters and jets and planes, and trucks and shipping. Particularly on the tissue side, there are a lot of regular carriers that may transport tissues and corneas for donation and transplantation. When something happens, when we have an emergency in our country, somebody might take a helicopter or use even military planes on occasion to make sure we're getting that that generous gift to the person that needs it. So are you guys coordinating transportation yourselves, or is there a network? Yes. Yeah, so the national network that manages particularly the wait list that matches patients that are waiting to the organs that are recovered. About 100,000 uh, people, right? Yeah. Right now, as of today, it's just north of 103,000 people are currently waiting for a transplant. In a world of big numbers, I always like to put that in perspective. So the largest college football stadium in the country holds about 100,000 people. So imagine being at an Ohio State football game and standing in the center of that field and looking around, that's about how many people are currently waiting for a life-saving transplant. To put a little visual to how many people we're talking about. The United Network for Organ Sharing runs the contract and they will typically coordinate most of the logistics with organ recovery organizations or tissue recovery organizations. You know, handles the organ side. It's typically going to be the organ recovery organization recovers an organ. They work with UNOS to figure out who the appropriate recipient of that organ is. And then that organ recovery organization will coordinate the logistics in concert with the transplant center that's receiving it. So they're going to try and find the fastest way of getting it there and the safest way to make sure it gets there on time. It is complex. And as you might imagine, over the last couple of years, that's been complicated because of the situations we have. I know personally from talking to transplant centers and recovery organizations over the last couple of years, we're really fighting to find pilots that are available to fly the planes that need to get crews of the medical professionals and the organs where they need to be on time. 
so there are some logistical challenges now that have been exacerbated by the last couple of years, but this community is committed and I'm not aware of organs that don't arrive on time. So Yeoman's work and the commitment of this community to make sure not only that we're saving the lives of the patient that's waiting, but truly a commitment to honoring the fact that someone who has died made the decision or their family consented to donation and really making sure that we're not wasting that gift. 100% of the time, we need to make sure that we're honoring that commitment and that gift. And it's as important to honor that donor and that family's wishes to save the life of the patient waiting. David, I can't thank you enough for being with us here this morning. Thank you so much for the last 25 years of what you have been doing. April, National Donate Life Month, Donate Life America. The web address, donatelife.net. To register, just go to registerme.org or to your local DMV. That closes out this edition of the Highway Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway Health Podcast through Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo, and let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway Health Podcast through our website, or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health Podcast is a production of Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo.